0: Hi, and welcome back to the Mahabharata Podcast. In the first session, we got a background on the birth and lineage of the blind king, Tidrashtra, the complex succession situation involving his younger half-brother, Pandu, and how this avoidable uncertainty laid the foundations for competing claims to the Kuru throne. Let us take a deeper dive into what happened when King Pandu and his wives took a step back from royal life and entered forest life. Pandu would rove about in the forest with bow and sword like a god with his two beautiful wives. With his noble attitude and behaviour he quickly became the favourite of the forest-dwellers. Bandu's first wife, Kunti, had the ability to summon any of the demigods at a time of her choosing and they would endow her with children. Knowing that such children of the gods would be especially powerful, Bandu was thrilled upon hearing of this and so he requested Kunti to summon the gods in a particular order. Pandu, being a lifelong proponent of high moral values and justice, asked Kunti to firstly summon that god of justice, Dharmaraj, for their first child. And like that, the great Yudhishthir was born. After Yudhishthir was born, Pandu conversed with Kunti that a warrior must be endowed with great physical prowess and therefore asked her to request the audience of the wind god, Vayu. And so the mighty beam was born. Pandu then wanted a third son, one who would achieve fame and glory all over the world and who was capable of vanquishing any foe. Gunti summoned the king of gods, Indra, and so was born Arjun. Kunti, being reluctant to have more than three children from the gods, then together with Pandu asked for children for her co-wife Madri. They asked for a son who was the most handsome and another son who was the most knowledgeable and so were born Nakul of unmatched beauty and Sahadev the intelligent. Meanwhile, in the royal palace of the kingdom of Hastinapur, Tidrashtra and Gandhari were also pregnant, but the pregnancy took much longer than the expected gestation period. Gandhari, having heard of the birth of Pandu, Kunti and Madri's children, grew impatient and struck her womb with heavy blows. This happened to lead to an unusual birth of a hundred fetuses who were then grown outside of the womb under the supervision of the royal physicians. First born among the 100 children of Dhrashtra and Gandhari was Duryodhan and then Dusashan. Vidur, the prime minister of Hastinapur and also an adept astrologer and royal advisor, saw severe negative omens surrounding the birth of Duryodhan and did not hesitate to offer some harsh advice to Didrasha and Gandhari. Vidur strongly suggested that the eldest son, Duryodhan, be discarded, citing that he would be the cause of destruction of the entire Kuru race owing to his evil roots. Didrasha and Gandhari naturally passed on the advice of Vidura out of affection for their newborn children. Following this, Gandhari insisted to Didrashtra that she wanted to have a girl also and thus Dushala was born. Lastly, there was a child resulting from the union of King Dhrashtra with a servant woman and he was called Yuyutsu, a half-brother to the Kauravas. And so the two sides were forged. On the side of Dhrashtra, known as the Kauravas, the 100 brothers, a stepbrother and a sister. And on the side of Pandu, the five Pandava brothers, born of Kunti, Madri and a host of the celestials. In the forest, an unfortunate incident occurred resulting in the sudden passing away of Bandu and Madri. Kunti therefore found herself looking after five young children on her own in a forest which was needless to say difficult. Kunti was royalty, she always had been, and her husband was arguably one of the most powerful and successful kings in the Kuru line. Bandu was also by default the first choice leader of the current senior Kuru leaders Bhishma and Vidur. Not so long ago, Bandu had given his prime years to amassing the huge treasuries of the Kuru empire and establishing new regions through his blood and sweat. Surely this would not be forgotten. Kunti was surely entitled to return to Haslapur with her children, especially in her time of need and return she did. Bhishma, the grandsire of the family and Vidur were very accommodating to Kunti and her children and welcomed them with tears of affection remembering their dear Pandu. Intermingling with the Kaurava children of Dhrashtra and Gandhari the five Pandava brothers were approaching the age of formative education which comprised of the sciences and arts, including the martial arts, then they studied under Guru Dron, the royal preceptor. It did not take any time at all for a familial rivalry to emerge between the two sets of cousin brothers. Duryodhan had so far had Hastinapur to himself as the eldest and most dominant amongst his siblings. He was free to roam as he wished He called the shots, and he was the most physically capable. And then the Pandavas arrived. In Bhim, Duryodhan found his match. Being the son of the wind god, Bhim was endued with incomparable strength. He could take multiple Kaurava children like an elephant clasping a lump of grass. Duryodhan did not like this one bit. Bhim was bigger and stronger and was not afraid to be himself. For Duryodhan, this unsettling and abrupt change in his life could not be tolerated. He contaminated the minds of his brothers also with the seeds of envy towards Bhim and the Pandavas. As this envy grew, it led to dangerous and even lethal interactions between the young cousins. Feeling like Bhim was the principal threat to his pride, dominance and comforts, Duryodhan would continue to make numerous attempts at Bhim's life, including trying to poison and drown him. The sage Vaisampayan, the sage who would later narrate the Mahabharata to Arjun's great-grandson, King Janamajaya describes Duryodhana as the wicked youth who had nectar in his tongue and a razor in his heart. In response to this tense situation, Yudhishthira, the eldest Pandava, at this very early stage set a precedent and one which would go on to become a defining component of the Pandavas' collective response mechanism that would shape their fate in the years to come. The response of inaction. Yudhishthir did not want to react to this behaviour of the Kauravas towards particularly his younger brother Bhim. Why? The rationale of this restraint on the part of Yudhishthir that he imposed on the entire Pandava team were multifold. Firstly, the Pandavas and Kunti were in some senses the outsiders to Hastinapur and they were far outnumbered by the Kauravas. Dhrashtra was the king. He was the father of Duryodhan, and known to be very affectionate towards his own children. By resisting or accusing a more Powerful foe, it would unlikely bode well for the Pandavas. Secondly, Yudhishthir never liked to rock the boats. Better to find ways to tolerate the gross intolerance of Duryodhan than to overtly confront the Kauravas or to tell the elders. Thirdly, Yudhishthir had a perspective of morality that involved abstinence tolerance, withdrawal, or renunciation. Their mother Kunti, on this point of not standing up against the Kaurava attempts at the lives of her own children, concurred with Yudhishthira's approach and simply advised her children to try to keep as safe as they could, also fearing that being too vocal could attract an even more premeditated attempt on their lives. So the consensus was that they would do nothing and they passed their days in Hastinapur living on the edge as more or less second class citizens unable to voice the threats to their lives in the presence of the leadership of the Kauravas under the blind king Tidrashtra.